0: June 5th, 2023, we're in Masechet Besa on the Kaf Aleph Amud alef, 19 lines from the top, the second word on the line. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated in honor of Sarah Cohen, Sophia Cohen, Marcel Cohen, Stephen and Sophia Cohen, Albert and Marcel Shami, and Gail Michon, and in memory of Nathan and Marlene Cohen, Jack Michon, and Sophia Dweck. The Gemara, if you recall, was dealing with a situation. Of a behemoth, an animal which was chetia shel it was half owned by a non-Jew and half owned in partnership by a Jew. And if you recall, we talked about the halakha with regards to this situation because the derashah of the pasuk where it says nefesh lachem, the lachem in that pasuk which permits ochel nefesh, which produce, which uh, permits producing food on Yom Tov. Uh, has a mi'ut in it, it says lachem, lachem means for you, the rasha'av, the Gemara d'af kafa mudbet, according to beti leilbaz, lachem ve'lo for you, meaning for the production of food, for Yisrael, but not for goyim. Uh, that in turn raised the question, what's the status of an animal which you're going to be slaughtering and dealing with and doing bishul with, um, which is chetziah shel nohri and chetziah shel Yisrael. After all, you're allowed to produce it for yourself. The melachot are permitted for your own production of food. Or what about if it's half of a non-Jew? We began talking about this because, if you recall, the Gemara was challenging and dealing with this vis-à-vis the nedarim and nidavot on Yom Tov. But here, pick up over here 19 lines from the top. of hastah behemah, chetziah shel nohri Yisrael mutar the halacha, with regards to this animal, which is half owned by Israel, even though the other half, or even little amount of it, is by a non Jew, wherein uh, the production would be asur, it's permitted to slaughter it on yom tob. Why so? After all, it's true that you're allowed to produce for yourself, you're allowed to do melachot for your own consumption you doing it for a non-Jew, l'achem Those are the words we explained and talked about last week. It's impossible to come to even a kazait, even a small amount of flesh, which you might want to eat and consume without doing a full shechita. And as a result, that full shechita is permitted, even though partially it'll go to the non-Jew, even though, You maybe could make such a claim. Don't forget though, nidarim and nidavot, when you're dealing with the Korban Shilamim, even though I'm getting the benefit, even though the Kohanim are benefiting from it as well, it's asur. That was the whole claim of the Gemara just a bit beforehand. In truth, the Gemara gives another situation where it would not be permitted. says rav hasta. This is in contrast to a situation of Dal. That might be the permissibility, the heter, with regards to the basar, to the Behemat to shahita. What about Isaac? Yisrael. If you're dealing with dough and you're interested in baking and making challah, making bread, and Yom Tov, if it's half owned by the non-Jew, you're in a bakery together with them or whatever it is. Your flour is owned partially by yourself and partially by the non-Jew. In this situation, in contrast, unlike the behema, which is mutal Shahata, you're not allowed to do the afya on Yom Tov. Why not? To the efshar le, miflega because it's possible for you, lemiflega, peluktai, we know that word, pelukta, pelik means to split. It's possible to split that dough. In other words, whereas by the animal, there's no splitting the animal and doing a partial shechita, by uh, kneading dough, by preparing the dough, which is going to be uh, used in turn to bake and bring forth bread, you can and as a result must separate it beforehand. You're doing an unnecessary baking for the non-Jew and that unnecessary baking is not only unnecessary, it's prohibited. It's a sur to do on Yom Tov. And that's what the Gemara has led us to. Tosafot on the left hand side has a question. The second from top Tosafot. Isa, Hetzia Shel nukri ve shel Yisrael. Tosafot so raises for us the shita, the opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. You might recall his opinion. <coughs> we saw it all the way back on Daf Yod Zayin. B'Shimon ben Elazar, if you recall, was distinguishing a fundamental distinction, a difference between what we call the ribuy b'melachot and ribui, be, uh, excuse me, ribuy b'ma'asim and ribuy b'shi'urim. In other words, the difference between you might recall this putting different pots into the oven at the same time or putting one pot into the oven. Uh, in other words, if I have one pot with many pieces of, of meat in it, I'm only interested in eating a few of them, it's permitted. If alternatively I'm putting a piece of meat and then a piece of meat and then a piece of meat onto the fire into the, into the oven, that would be prohibited. However, Rabbi Shimon ben el fundamentally and importantly pointed out that when it comes to filling the oven with dough, You can add in all the dough you need, because the dough in there, the more you have in the oven, the better the bread comes out. Well, that being the case, what type of question is it here in our sugya? How could you be talking about an isur? After all, we're talking about uh, we're talking about dough. Bishimon ben Elazar said, The more dough you put into the oven, the better the bread is for you. As a result, I don't care if it's for non Jew or a Jew or anything else, it should all be permitted. That's the question of Tosafot. On the left hand side here. Didn't we learn earlier? A woman is allowed to fill the oven with bread, with a lot of bread. With unnecessary amounts of bread, even though she's only interested in eating one loaf, one slice of bread, the reason is because the bread is 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 uh, baked best. Vizman shat tanur maleh v'sharin. As a result, according to R' Bishimon ben Azar, it's permitted le'efot biyom tov afilo It's permitted even uh, even not after the fact, even uh, proactively, you're allowed to go ahead and do so. That's the question of Tosafot. Tosafot initially says maybe we're not posek lehalacha like R' ben Elazar. Azar. ma? Perhaps you'll say de'atya that our statement here in the Gemara of Hasta is going litanakama and uh, maybe he's following the other opinion who disagrees with, mm-hmm. with Rabbi Shimon bin al Azar, uh, So Tosafot is a bit stuck, uh, no pun intended. Tosafot is bothered. How is it that in our sugya over here we're questioning, we're dealing with and in, in truth we're forbidding a situation where you're putting in too much bread into the oven whereas earlier in our Masechet, just four da'apim ago, we learned that the more bread you put in, more, the more dough that enters the oven, the better. And as a result, even though you're not interested in eating it, and uh, or just as much so, if you're making it for a non-jew, it should be permitted. Tosafot has two answers. The first of which is easy for us to understand now. The second, we'll need to learn a little bit more in the hatam. We can answer that it's different. Shone hatam there, earlier on daf Yod De kol hapat shel Yisrael. Shahare shoot beado le ehol call e had Oze, oze. And so Tosafot suggests that earlier. The Rabbi Shimon ben El Azar case is more lenient and the reason it's more lenient is because every piece of bread, every loaf which is entered into the oven, it's true you might not eat and you won't be. Your stomach and your family are not big enough to eat from all those loaves. But each one of them it's possible to say, I might eat from that one or I might even eat from that one. Over here in our circumstance however, there's loaves of bread and by definition you can't eat from all those loaves. One is belonging to the non-Jew. Many are belonging to the non-Jew. That's the difference. The difference is with regards to, can I look at each one of these loaves and say, hypothetically, theoretically, I'll eat this today, as opposed to an hour sukya where it's belonging to a non-Jew. We'll see such a sevara, such a logic, as we continue in the limud on this amud, to fine-tune such a thought. And furthermore, says Tosafot to Dilma dilma maybe mekal'ele orchim. Uh, Alternatively, says Tosafot, when I'm dealing with all the dough being my own along the same lines, maybe guests will come and I'll serve it to them. That's again in contrast to our subya, where the bread, where the dough is not all belonging to me. I can't eat it on my own and I certainly can't serve it to guests. In short, Tosafot, again, foreshadowing what we're to learn later on this Amud, makes a very important fundamental distinction for us. When we talk about this sugya. in contrast... To that one, we're understanding it as fundamentally split, not with regards to the method of cooking, which you maybe would have imagined, but rather just look at the details. The facts are that over there, it wasn't only permitted because it made my bread better. They Now, based on this, we got added another detail. It's permitted, that's the point. It's all belonging to a Jew. And in turn, I can eat it all on my own, I can serve it all to my guests. That's in contrast over here. And again, when we learned that, our understanding for good reason was, the better it makes my cooking, the better it makes my baking, who cares who it's going to? I don't need to be eating it, I don't even need to be theoretically eating it. The distinction, in theory, in theory, the, what Tostafot might be suggesting, we'll have to test this out as we go along, That the sugiah over there, I'll give you another nafkaminam, that even according to the ben El what if you have a very low quality dough? Nobody in your house is going to eat from it. Nobody's going to touch this. But it will help in the baking of the bread. Now when we learned that sugya, I probably would have asked you this question. You would have said, of course it's permitted. If it's making your bread, your loaf better, of course it's permitted. This Tosafot, based on this sugya, is telling us it's not so. It's only if you have a possibility of eating from that bread. That's an interesting and important addition. Does the guest have to be a Jew? Of course. Of course, because if you're making it for the non-Jew, well, that's what we're saying, it's not permitted. It has to be that you have potential Jewish guests. So in other words, if you live amongst only non-Jews, we're not going to have Dilma Mikal or him. Well, we said lachim yeah, it was koti velola kilabim. That's why we're going into that now. Says the Gemara Mativ Mativ means we have a question, rav really a response. Rav hana Isat kilabim. When I'm dealing with low grade bread, that's what I uh, kind of mentioned to you already. What's a low grade bread? Whatever the circumstance is. The dough, the flour was produced in a way that most human beings, I guess, of middle or upper class, would not be eating from it. Uh, well, what's the status? What's the halakha in such a circumstance with regards to the bread which is produced from that? And we're going to talk, of course, in the context of Yom Tov. but let's talk a little bit expansively. Let's talk in general. Think about the times, according to halacha that you need bread. What's the quality of a low-quality, what's the, the status of a low-quality bread? where the flour which was used is very low quality. Generally speaking, only dogs would be eating from this. Even though it's such low quality that technically speaking, your mindset and when you produced it, you baked it, you were planning on giving it to the dogs. But if shepherds, and shepherds are understanding is the lower class of society, but human beings nonetheless, if they would eat from it, well, there's our cutoff mark. If shepherds would eat from Isat Kilavim, the following reality, are in place. Number one, hayevit Behala. Number two, mearvinba. Number three, Number four, Number five, Number six, underline top. Number seven, v'adam yoseba Now we'll define and explain what each of these mean, but we already understand where we're going to a certain extent. The fact that we're talking about a low quality bread, which uh, shepherds might be eating from. Um, but uh, ultimately speaking um, it's only because shepherds will be eating from it as opposed to if it's just for the dogs in other words humans won't would be eating from that? it no we're, we're including we're shepherds including, in that to go that far to include them but ha- ha- yes hang a second the point is if it's just isat kilabim right? Well, give it a minute or two to develop. First and foremost, let's just uh, understand this spiraita. Let's go through them before we deal with the reason it's being mentioned. So again, we're dealing with the low-quality, low-grade bread, and we're determining its status as bread, and in turn, many halachic ramifications. Number one, hayevet behalah. The Torah and the parasha coming up at the end of parashat, Shelah tells us that You need to, from the beginning of well, when you when you harvest and when you bring forth bread. Or dough, you need to separate. What's the measurement of separation? We call that hafrashat hala. The Torah never gives us a measurement per se. The rabbis say 124th, or if you're a baker, 148th. That's the amount of dough which is supposed to be separated. Uh, that's halal. In order to be, uh, the quality needs to be one in which it's lechem. It needs to be the quality and the status, it's a pasuk in the Torah of bread. How do you define bread? Again, bisman shahroim, ochlim Number two, me'arevim uh, ba, the status of the bread, when we talk about what is its nature, is it considered bread or is it considered, well, something lower than bread, uh, it has ramifications with regards to eruveh haserot umishtatefim ba, we call that shitofei mavuot she fills in the details on this, but loosely speaking, it goes as follows. haSerot. we've talked about it on more than one occasion, um, you have um, several homes which open into one courtyard. Uh, several homes which open into one courtyard. We don't have so many of these in Brooklyn any longer. In old cities in Jerusalem, they certainly have such a reality. And the status in such a situation is that technically speaking, that courtyard is just as the homes called Reshut You're not really dealing with a public thoroughfare area. However, the rabbi's nervous that you and I would confuse that shared courtyard in the middle with a public street, Broadway. Avenue, Eli, um, I understand. Um, would in, in, So, as a result, they, they set forth what's called Eruve <laughs> Haserot. Much of it, Masichete Eruvin, deals with Eruve Haserot. What is an eruv Haserot? Every person who surrounds that courtyard takes a piece of bread or is involved with a, a, bringing a piece of bread to one home, and we establish that home, Kibviachol, as if we all live in that home. We kind of came together to take away any public feel of this area. Today, it's relevant to a certain extent in apartment buildings or in hotels of that sort, Uh, that's Eruvei Haserot. What's Shitofei Mavuot? Shitofei Mavuot is along the same lines, but instead of the homes opening to one courtyard, you have different courtyards which open to one alleyway. And as a result, the same fear of the rabbis, that alleyway will be confused and will be seen as, and you'll just go from the alleyway out into the public area, and in turn said the rabbis, you need to kind of come together in one of those courtyards. That's these next two. On the list. So again, hayevet bechalla the bizman sharoim ochlimbo in a circumstance where the bread, even though it's low grade, its status is such that a person who's a shepherd would eat from it. The halakha is hayevet bechalla me'aravim ba. That's eruv hatsirot mishtattefin ba. That's shittufim avuot nvarichina alaya is easy. It means its status is that you need to say hamotzi lechem learet. It's, uh, it's considered bread. Since it's considered bread, by extension, you do zimun on it. Uh, if there's three men eating together, if there's ten eating together, different words that are recited at the beginning of Bekatamazon as you come together to say Bekatamazon. Obviously, that's going to be the critical and most important detail for our purposes over here. And a person fulfills his command. To eat matzah on Pesach, Rashi explains, we're talking about the first night of Pesach. There's only a mitzvah min haTorah, a chiyuv, to eat matzah on the first night. Bayit of tochlu matzot. Uh, a mandate on the first night of Pesach. Any other day, it's beautiful to eat it. According to some, Gawan Mivilna, you have a fulfillment of a mitzvah of shiv'at yamim. You're eating matzah throughout, but the command is only on the first night. How do you qualify? How do you how do you determine what's considered bread? At the very least, mm-hmm. ro'im ochlim bo. Okay. So so those are the words of the Biraita. again, for our purposes, we just highlighted and underlined the words, it can be baked on yom tov, says the Gemara, ve'amai, and why is this so, ve'ha'efshar belisha, says the Gemara, when I'm dealing with the low-quality bread, which I wouldn't be eating from, assumes the Gemara, Uh, You're allowed to bake it on Yom Tov provided that shepherds would eat from it. Wait a second, what if uh, it wasn't so? What if uh, the Gemara's question in this context is you would be able to, before baking this, separate it, would you not? Aren't you able to, if you wouldn't be eating from it, separate from the bread that you'd be eating from, as opposed to the bread that another would be eating from? The Gemara is assuming that even though you wouldn't be eating from it, it's nonetheless permitted to be baked on Yom Tov. Why is it permitted to be baked on Yom Tov? Why should you be baking this on Yom Tov? After all, you're not going to be eating from it. It's no different than what we talked about a moment or two ago, A sachel goyim which you're not eating from, a non-Jew is eating from, what do we say? Are you allowed to put that into the oven at the same time that you're baking yours? Absolutely not. Why are you not allowed to? Why is it any different than the shechita? Because you could split it, split it, and say, this is yours, and now I'm taking mine and I'm baking it. It's an unnecessary baking. You, split the with the dough? you shouldn't be baking it. In other words, the only reason the only reason that you'd be baking it is if it's for your consumption. The assumption over here is it's not for your consumption. As a result, even if you have several loaves of bread, the loaves of bread which are not for your eating, you shouldn't be able to be baking. That's, only yours so you can make more than yeah, he said so, that, so that bake no, leaving the What's your question specifically? You the only reason I mean Yes. Right. The, only reason, yes. the yes. only reason it would be permitted is because it's making your baking better. Bishimon This line in the Gemara, and Maharam Shif and others asked this on Tosafot, this is what's difficult on Tosafot. Tosafot's assumption was that provided that it's all belonging to a Jew, it should all be permitted because it makes your baking better. We're seeing from our Gemara quite clearly not so. You have to go back and reread Tosafot and understand it perhaps differently because this line, the next line in the Gemara is very difficult on that Tosafot. But that's the question here in the Gemara. Slach and others deal with it. But that's the question, says the Gemara. Shouldn't you be able to separate the dough, Belisha, in the kneading process before um, having it all together in a way that it needs to go into the oven? It answers the Gemara. Shane, Isat kelavim, Ho'il lefayesan, Benevela The Gemara answers for Rav Chastah. Keep in mind this is all a challenge to Rav Chastah Let's understand again what Rav Chastah's opinion is Rav Chastah is the rabbi who told us That if I have isa I have bread I have, excuse me, dough Which is half mine and half the non-Jew I can't but bake that all on Yom Tov because we say you should have separated it before entering it into the oven. Uh, says the Gemara, but wait a second. How come in a situation of Isat Kilabim, we're permitting baking it on Yom Tov? Okay, it's going to be for the shepherds, but ultimately speaking, it's not for you. Shouldn't you separate it before putting in? And if you're, not, if, if you're telling me it's only for the shepherd, then it's certainly not permitted. So then, why is it any different than our circumstance? And That answers the Gemara Shane Isad Kilavim, or ve'efshal if Shalifayesan Benevela Pius means to appease. In our circumstance, it means that this bread, which is with the express purpose of giving to the uh, dogs, the dogs don't need bread per se. The dogs would be just as happy, perhaps even more happy, if you gave them nivela, if you gave them non-kosher meat, if you gave them meat that you have left over, if you have meat that's not left over. You'd be able to give them carcasses of of animals. You'd be able to give them meat, and that would be just as good. What does that mean for us? It means for us the following, uh, suggests the Gemara, that since this isa, since this dough, which is being baked in this moment, need not be going to the dogs. You might actually decide to eat it yourself. It's open for your own consumption. No, but I was only baking it for the dog. But ultimately speaking, for the dog, you could have replaced, and you can replace, in theory, the bread with meat, It means that that bread has the possibility of going into your mouth, into the mouth of your children. That's why it's permitted. Yes, Charles? Again, what's the status of this bread? The bread is really being made for dogs. I I hear you, but then then you won't have bread for your dogs. So the answer of the Gemara is, is working with your sort of logic. We can even see that explicitly in the Gemara in a moment, but it's effectively saying you could make up for the food of the dogs with something else and in turn have that bread left over for guests or for yourself. The point is it's possible for you to be eating it. No, 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 but I made it for the dogs, but it's edible for you. And as a result of it being edible for you, even though you're making it for the dogs, you could in a second replace for the dogs, give them some meat, and eat that bread yourself. Says the Gemara, that's an assumption that Rav Hasa thinks theoretically like that. What do I mean by theoretically like that? That's the word Ho'il. Ho'il is a million dollar word. We mentioned at the very beginning of our Masechet based on the Gemara in Pesachim and Daf Membet, but here's where it appears in Masechet Besah. The word ho'il, we're going to read it in a moment. It's the Charles reference. Generally speaking, is appended to the con- is mentioned in the context of uh, you might ho'il since you might serve this food to guests since guests might come. Uh, let me talk about Charles's case and then back into Targiimara why it's relevant. Uh, let's say I finished my meal on Yom Tob and uh, my wife says, you know, honey, I, I'm interested in making food for tomorrow. Uh, first and foremost, even once we suggest what we're about to suggest, uh, she shouldn't be doing it like it's still forbidden. But what about from the Torah? Is she permitted now to make it for tomorrow? We're gonna have two opinions. The lenient opinion that says that it's permitted from the Torah says, since guests might still come over the course of the day, even though she's making food for tomorrow's lunch, Well, that permits, at the very least from the Torah, her making of that food today. that's a theoretical thought. Who knows if guests are coming? Nobody invited guests. Nobody told me they were coming. Ho'il, since guests might come, that in turn, in theory, uh, permits me making this now. That's the same sort of logic we're suggesting over here, is it not? The idea is, since I could be giving my dogs a different type of food, I could give them meat instead of this bread, well, then this bread is permitted. That's not what you plan on doing. You might not even have that meat. Your thought is that this bread is for the dogs. Oh, you. Since it might be. These oh, loophole type of theoretical things. Says the Gemara Rav Hasta must be of the opinion, Ho'il, why is he permitting uh, making food for the dogs even though he forbade making food for non-Jews? Because since I could easily appease the dogs with meat, it's permitted for me to make the bread for them. Says, the Say it again? So you already had to raise the level of the shepherds. The point is, it's only considered bread if shepherds would be eating from it, but ulti- which means in turn, last case scenario, my family or my guests would be eating from it, but we're not eating from it. When I put the bread into the oven, I say this is for the dogs, that's what I'm doing. It's true, it's a little bit higher than absolute dog food. And that's why I have any opportunity to be lenient on this. says the Gemara le ho'il, quote unquote the words ho'il. Does Rav Hasa really think theoretically like that? Is there such a concept of ho'il that since it might happen, therefore I redefine the action? Keep in mind, what's the concept over here? Since. I might have or might decide to give meat to the dogs, it means my baking right now is for myself and my children. Oh, come on, that's not really what it's for. Does Rav Hasda have such a logic? Or is he the other one who says, come on, that's not what it's really for? The don't we have a separate statement? And in this separate statement, we're going to see clearly Rav Hasta doesn't have such lofty theoretical thought. This is Charles's case. You're making food, you're baking it from Yom Tov for the weekday. What's that? Yeah. Well, let's wait a second. both of these opinions will maintain its asur, one from the Torah, the other one only mu that's the one we're going to be most interested in. but Rav Hasta Amar okay? One second, stop right there. Rav Hasta, he's our name. He's the rabbi we're dealing with. Rav Hasta is the rabbi who in our Sugya is permitting is permitting, based on that beraita, of course, to make the food for the dogs. That's in contrast to making the food for the non-Jews. We said the only reason it's permitted to make the food for the dogs is because maybe, oh, eel sins, maybe I could give them other food. Well, that's what permits it. Hasad doesn't have such a thought. Avchazda doesn't, he doesn't uh, twirl his fingers like that. He doesn't think so abstractly. He says, look at the, look at the facts on the ground. You finished your meal. No, 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 but quite the opposite. The bread is consumed. I can eat the bread, ultimately Uh, speaking. Who eats bread compared to dogs? shepherds. And as a result, or even my own family, last case scenario, you're saying it's even even worse over here. Okay, the assumption is since it is edible for humans, might not be what I would serve at my meal, but it's edible for me. It's even a, a step further. And since, even though I'm making it for the dog, I might find meat or decide to give them meat. It means that the bread, ultimately speaking, is possible to go into my mouth. That's why I make distinction, says the Gemara, but Rav Hasda doesn't have such a logic. We know Rav Hasda's opinion with regards to cooking. After my meal, on Yom Tob, for tomorrow is prohibited. Rav Hasta doesn't have this concept of ho'il, of since it might happen. It's only ravuna, rabba amar, enoloke. Ravah disagrees. Rav Hasta amar loke, lo amrinan, ho'ilu mikal'ele, or him hazile, hashta, al hazile, hashta, hazile. And of Hasta's opinion who says that you're lokeh, that you get lashes, it's melachan yom tob, the reason he maintains that you get lashes because lo amrinan, we do not say, we do not express the concept, the idea, the theory, ho'il um mikal'i, means visit, hiim that guests might come to your meal, hazileh, and as a result, this, uh, this, this uh, food is, is appropriate for you on yom tob, hashtana mehazileh. Uh, now as well, even though the guests didn't come, it's permitted. Rav Chastah doesn't have such an abstract thought. He doesn't think so theoretically. Raba mare no, it's only Rabbah who disagrees with Rav Chastah, and says you don't get lashes, So the Gemara, ultimately speaking, then, is stuck. Let's map it all out briefly again. The Gemara began for, our, for our purposes today with the statement of Rav Chastah. Rav Chasta said you may not make bread, even though it's also for yourself, for non-Jews. The Gemara challenged that, All the details aside, ultimately speaking, telling us that if you're making bread for dogs, it's permitted. Why should that be permitted? You told me the expressed purpose of my baking needs to be for myself. If there's any, even though I'm making it for myself and non-Jews, it's not permitted. Well, why should, we, why should we distinguish between that and making it for dogs? I says the Gemara, no, no, dogs are different. Why are dogs different? Because when it comes to dogs, you could, in theory, appease them with meat. It means this, this bread, I know, I, I know, Alan, I don't want to eat the bread, but the bread is edible for me. Uh, but says the Gemara is such a logic, true, according to Rav Hasda. Rav Hasda tells us elsewhere, but in the context of Yom Tob, we don't do such abstract thought. If ultimately speaking, my express purpose is not for a meal on Yom Tob for me and my family or for Jews, it's forbidden. We don't say ho'il. We don't say since it might be. Uh, how, do you, how do you deal with this contradiction? Ela lo tema ho'il ve'efshar, ela kegon di'it nevela. The Gemara distinguishes, and it says as follows. Let's I'll, t- I'll take it outside of the words of the Gemara and give you a different type of situation, maybe easier to understand. First, uh, what if I know we have guests coming today? What if my wife says I'm going to start the meal for tomorrow because, and I know that guests are coming later today, and they might want to eat from it. Oh, that's a very different situation then. You know, there might be guests coming. I haven't had guests in two decades to my house. I know guests are coming in such a situation. No, 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 it's Yom Tov. I know guests are coming. First day Yom Tov, I'm living in Israel. No, no no second day. It's Yom Tov, I'm making it for tomorrow, and, um, but I know guests are coming. I'm not per se making the food for the guests, but the guests are coming. That's very different than what we're talking about. There's less thumb uh, tw- twisting over here. There's less in theory. I know the guests are coming. It's true, the express purpose is for tomorrow. It's true, Min Torah, we're probably not going to be permitting, but there's a lot more grounds, that, uh, excuse me, Min we're not going to be permitting, a lot more grounds to make the case for that being permitted. Even there, the Gemara suggests Rav Chastah would be, at the very least, biblically speaking, permitting. Uh, that's in turn the case for us as well. It's not that there might be meat to give to the dogs. There is nevela. We do have carcasses lying around the house. That is the situation. be nevela. In other words, the circumstance where Rav Chastah says, no, I'm not willing to permit because it might happen is where it's far-fetched. It's not a, who said guests are coming. Oh, do you, Rabbi. You say, well, guests might come. That's why it's permitted. I can't go that far. But guests are coming. says guests are coming. Yeah, but I'm not really making the meal for them. But they are coming. That's permitted. So too over here, with regards to the dogs, we say, ah, it's too far-fetched. Well, you mind to appease them with meat. You have meat? We were assuming you don't have meat. Now the Gemara says, no, you do have meat. And it's just as cheap, maybe a little bit more expensive to give them meat as opposed to bread. The fact that the meat is lefanenu, you do have that meat, you do have that nevela, that's in turn for Rav Hasa what permits in our situation making the food or making the bread for the dogs. Interestingly, the final line here in our Gemara in Talmud Yerushalmi does not conclude in such a fashion. Most of the Rishonim call attention to the fact that, catch this for a second, the final lines here in the Gemara and Talmud Yerushalmi, of course the counterpart of Talmud Bav which we're learning, is you know what that beraita, that statement that we just learned, everything got d- dicey today, everything got difficult because of the statement in the beraita. What was the statement in the beraita? That if you're making dough for, bro- for dogs, it's permitted. Pause for a second, says Tamud Yerushama. You're challenging Rav Hastah. That beraita is following the opinion of... Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, the opinion on Daf Yozai, and that you're allowed to add all the loaves of bread into the oven. our opinion of Hasda is probably following the opinion of Hachamim. It brings us back to that Tosafot we learned at the beginning. Tosafot is trying to square Rabishimon Shimon ben Elazar with our sugya, assuming that's the halakha. Hamud Yerushalmi seems to be taking us in a different direction that Rishonim, Ben Yosef, and others deal with. How do we square? Should we square these two sugyot, these two ways of learning it, one with the other? Effectively, we what, do we what do we follow? We go like Rabbi Shimon ben El Azar on this, that you're allowed to fill the oven uh, entirely with the bread. With regards to ho'il, on this final point, we do go like Raba, that we say Ho'il. We don't need it in front of us. We have a little bit of a it's theoretical, but ultimately speaking, it's only biblically permitted. Midrabanan it's still prohibited. That's how we go la halakha. I'll very briefly begin the question of the Gemara, and we'll continue with this tomorrow. Ba'u mineh you'll understand why this is very relevant to us, uh, because the Gemara continues with Rav Huna's opinion on this matter. They asked of Rav Huna, Han'e Ba'agah. ba'aga, ba'aga, Rashi explains, our kifarim, our villages. It's uh, placed upon them the flour to make bread for B'nei Hela or B'nei Hela or legions there are army soldiers of non-Jews coming through their city and they need to it's their responsibility to make bread for them. Are you allowed to make on Yom Tov? Of course the answer should be no. Why should it be permitted? We'll have to see with that tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen Shemara